You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast with your host, Nate and Micah. Andy couldn't make it tonight because there's snow on the ground and he gets scared. And he's sick. He was just mostly scared. Bro, we went coyote hunting. Uh, he's going to get pissed at this and punch <laughs> me. Uh, we went coyote hunting this last Saturday. We had a tournament. Um, you couldn't hunt in the tournament. Daryl couldn't hunt in the tournament. Um Russell didn't want to do an entire day, which I was thinking about not doing, and uh, ended up hunting in a tournament with Austin and Andy. Yeah. Andy hacked his ass off the entire day. Just coughing. And it became a running joke that every time we were leaving a stand, me and Austin would be like, you sound like dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, he ruined it for you. He he never really coughed when it was important. You so know, there, there, was a, there was a few times where it was like, eh, no, dude, he he damn near puked after our first. That's when we no killed fun, those, that double. He That's was no fun because, so like, if it's the one that I had, like, it just lingers. Yeah, he just cough. He cough. went to the he went to the doctor. I think it's bronchitis or something. They oh, said. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, hopefully he's better before this upcoming. Next yeah, we leave for ATA in two days. Yeah, so hopefully that gets better. Yeah. Uh, so short, he's at home. He's at home with the snow, and also he feels like shit. So uh, short ter- short story on the tournament. How'd it go? It was not great. Yeah. Yeah, we, I mean, the day started off, um, we were dry on our first set. Second set, really, we almost could have killed, it was a triple that came in. Mm-hmm. But the way we set up was um, Andy and Austin were right next to each other, and I sat about 20 yards up the fence line facing the exact opposite direction, downwind. Yeah. I was covering our downwind. So, I, Andy and Micah were facing, let's say, west, I think it was. Andy I was facing Austin. east. Andy and Austin. What did I say? You said my name. Oh, Andy and Austin. And um, so, anyway, we're, we're calling, and th- the way I knew coyotes were there is when Andy shot. Right. Or Austin, whoever shot first. And then I turn and look, and I see a coyote, which almost looked like it was black. Like, it was really it was dark, but it has also been wet. So, yeah. um, I see a coyote just gone. So, I thought Austin missed. That's That's what I thought. 
and Andy hit his, and it took off running. So then Andy gets up and goes running after it to make sure it's dead. It ended up dying right over right the there. hill. Yeah, it took us a minute to find it. But so I'm like, hell yeah, Andy, good job. So I'm, you know, I'm giving Andy fist fist bumps and. And then Austin, like, well, there's two. And I'm like, wait, you killed one? He goes, yeah, mine dropped. I thought the one or Austin had shot at was the one I saw running. Sure. He dropped the one he shot at. Yeah. And I never even saw that happen. Yeah. So if I would have been with him, I'm wondering if I could potential, have got a shot off on that other that one. Third. Yeah. And, and I really couldn't safely make a shot at that one because where I was sitting, I would have been shooting right in front of Andy and austin faces not not one where i was at yeah Yeah. not a shot so we did i didn't even attempt to make the shot and then that was the only set of the entire day we saw coyotes doesn't that suck because then you think you're like oh man we got two yep this is when it starts and then you so you got this momentum built up and then nothing yeah Yeah, it was even like we felt great on at least i did our second to last set it started snowing on us Mm. and the setup i thought was pretty good and i was excited about it and we actually sat there longer than we sat anywhere that day and freaking nothing. Yeah. It was just, we tried getting on top of them. I mean, it just didn't matter. It did not matter. Yeah. Um, so we killed two, um, five, three teams killed five, which tied for first. Um, our buddies, uh, Brandon and Cody, uh, they killed four. They won small dog or something too. Yeah. I saw that. Can't remember which one. Our buddy um, No Day, they placed for third. Well, well, they got end up they got third, second, tied for third. I thought second. I think they got third. Maybe okay. it was second. I Maybe it was second. second. I don't know. Yeah, they tied for first. Yeah, tied uh, for first. Just on weight, they got the team that got first was still like a full twelve pounds heavier than them. Oh wow! Yeah, it was. I was wondering how close they were. They and check, I know they got second. They checked for weights. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Don't know. I can't remember who won. It was a good time, you know. I mean, it was still fun hunting. What was it uh, like hunting with the A team? <laughs> it was good. I mean, you know, did just you like, feel, did you feel privileged? <laughs> I mean, they we killed two dogs. Our team probably would have killed zero. So I guess <laughs> no. It was it was a great time. I mean, uh, you know, I I'll tell you this much, man. I'm really thinking about putting that freaking camper shell back on my truck and getting a it makes a difference a deal on the back. I don't know why you don't, man. Uh, or get, trying to trying to find a camper shell that's the same color as my truck. One of the two. Yeah, I want one, dude. I'm telling you now. Next truck will because it was snowing on us. It was wet. Yeah, having our stuff dry and the coyotes were in a um what the hell that thing called a hitch R- yeah rack, rack or whatever then you don't have to worry about you know stuff getting all over your truck bed and all that crap it was uh and then the like the cab of your trucks open you like got room yep um that was pretty cool yeah it's pretty nice yeah pretty nice so i went out coyote hunting sunday yeah you did so the original plan was didn't we didn't have anything going on so i was like man i'm gonna wake up and i'm gonna go hunting well, it became Sunday morning. I was like, ah, this, I'm just too comfortable. I'm going to stay in and sleep. Well, evening rolls around. Amy's left. She went to the store. She comes back. I actually dozed off for a minute, and she wakes up. She's like, I thought you were hunting. I was like, I don't know. And then by that time, uh, my phone started going off from my tactic cams. I'm like, there's coyotes right there in front of my camera right now. I'm like, screw it. Let's go. And so my son, Lawson, was like, let's go, buddy. So we packed up real quick and we got out there and we set the call out and uh, from where the dogs were at, from where this camera was, I was like, I'm going to set up. They're going to come out this way. It's going to be perfect. Start my call sequence. 
I got Lawson in a track. I'm sitting up behind a barn, and mm-hmm. there's a lean-to, and there's a tractor in there. I'm like, Lawson, get up and sit in that tractor, and you'll be able to see everything. You can see. It's like yeah. A, you got your own seat yeah, up there. got your own thing. I'm like, just be quiet, you know, obviously, whatever. So I start calling. And just for the listener, Lawson, my nephew, his son is six. Yeah, he's just six. six. Yeah, he's yep. been he's been deer hunting with me a few times. I think he's went coyote hunting with me one other time. Um, but anyway, started calling, and all of a sudden my other camera went off. So this is kind of cheating when it comes to coyote <laughs> hunting, but it's coyote <laughs> hunting, so who cares? My other call from the other side of the property started going off. I'm like, oh, one's coming in. So I swing my gun, and I get over, and I'm watching, just waiting. I'm like, this thing's going to pop up any minute and just start coming in i'm thinking it's going to come in hot and finally i see its head and it's about 200 yards out and the way that i'm sitting there's a crest in the hill so i can't you know i i need it to be about 150 yards in the end to get a good shot but i just see its head so i'm like well crap so she's just she's just sitting there sitting there for a while and so you know i start playing with sounds a little bit i pause it for a while and i went into the pup distress another pup distress i think and finally she disappeared like she looked like she was running toward walking towards me and she disappeared for a little bit i'm like well crap okay so we wait and it was probably like another two minutes or something and then finally i see her head again and she started coming towards me and i you know i'm like oh there she is so a 130 yard shot dropped her and i could just hear lawson like you got him dad you got him i'm like be quiet i got we're gonna something else might come out but it was pretty cool that's funny yeah it it was awesome he had a great time it it was a lot of fun we went to another one that you know we've hunted multiple times and i know a lot of people hunt this place (laughs) so we got them we got them to talk like we always do but they never did commit never did come in so yeah it was a good time that's awesome, man. Yeah, that was yeah. it. Was a fun weekend. I, I got to get out finally, you know, and be a. I was I was itching. You guys had all been out before me, and I was itching to get out and you know try to kill some dogs. I did not shoot one. Andy and Austin were the ones that shot it, but it was good. It was good. Yeah. I, I had fun day. I, I I would have preferred to kill a bunch, but right. You know, we we tried. Um, just didn't work. Sometimes it don't work. Yeah, that's the way it goes. Yeah, and Andy sounded like dog shit. So yeah, so we'll blame it on him. <laughs> Andy, always andy always your fault <laughs> um today's show is not about coyotes no it's about a big ass deer 197 inch big ass deer yep uh about an iowa giant that our buddy greg and i'll probably butcher his name here gleisinger uh with Huntworks. yeah and if you've heard the name greg before it's because he's been on our show multiple times he used to be uh, with drury he's now doing his own thing with Huntworks which is pretty awesome. Uh, so make sure you go check out their YouTube channel, Huntworks, and uh, their their Instagram page as well, which we will tag in this, this show episode. But Greg, And if I remember right, their show airs on Sportsman's channel. Couldn't tell you what nights. I can't remember. Yeah. He says it there. He then, says it, but it, show. But it is yep. on the network as well. But um, the show is about this this uh, deer named Ranger uh, that he, he killed this, this season. And what's cool about it is, you know, what – what I respect about what Greg does in the whitetail woods is the amount of work he puts in in the off season. Uh, he he, him and his you know group of guys, Casey and and the Huntworks guys, they do a lot of work you know before you ever see the actual hunting. So that's the story that kind of gets told. He he talks about all the stuff that he does, right? Um, and he did to kill this deer because this deer is about a seven to eight year old deer. So it's not seventy eight, seven, seven two, eight. or eight, yeah. 
Um, so that's the show. Let's get into our sponsors today before we hop into it. We talk about these fellas a lot in the show, and that's Reveal Cameras by Tacticam. Greg runs those as well yeah. for good reason, because they're badass. Yeah. We talk about the app and how awesome it is and the different things you can do for it. You can use them cheating while coyote hunting, obviously. Because <laughs> so. you think it's going to come out one side of the farm, you end up swinging a. That's a pretty you know, lucky setup. Right it was there. pretty cool, yeah. right? Like I was and, like, and you, the fact that you checked it. Yeah. Well, I kind of did for that reason. I was like, because I had my phone right there. I'm I like, usually oh, don't pay bus. attention. You know what I'm saying? So I no. looked and I was like, oh, that's a tech, that's a trail camera picture. Oh, I it's, a, like, it's a coyote. That's a coyote. That's so, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah it was kind of neat. Um, but these cameras, you know, are are awesome. I actually. I think I'm I'm getting to the point. My favorite cam is the Gen 2.0. I like the Gen 2s. Yeah, yeah. they're they're my favorites. Um, but I have several um, the X Pros as well. I think I have four of those and eight Gen X 2.0s. I'm pretty sure. Um, but I kind of want to try them all. And my plan next year is to have all of them set up on solar. And they they have solar cams or yep. solar panels. Yep. Um, so check out Reveal Cameras by Tactic Cam on X. Use our code MWW20 for 20 percent off. Um, obviously. This time of year, we're using Onyx probably more than we do any time, any other time of the year with coyote hunting going oh, on. Oh, definitely. Uh, we're always looking at the damn thing, you know, where are we going to sit, this and that. So um, check the app out. Uh, Midwest Gunworks, use our code WOODSWATER. I think it still works uh, for 5% off since, you know, it's 2024 now, um, and we're still kind of working with them on that. Uh, use that code. Um just bought something off there the other day for my new six creed that I'm getting it set up so I can use the arc amount instead of the clamp clamp. I just don't like them, man. I want to use my arc amounts. Oh yeah. I'm the same way. Yeah. I, so, I prefer my arc. Amount um, they make the one clamp. now that I can, I can actually have that for the, the whole length of the gun uh, yep. and use it a little smarter and closer to the, the middle lever point of the gun. So yeah. I installed my uh, adjustable gas block. Over the no, well, I installed it I think a week ago, but I actually got my Grendel out and shot it, got it adjusted right so I can run my suppressor and got my Athlon. We'll move into that Athlon Optics. Oh, you I got, ruined it. <laughs> I got my Athlon uh, thermal mounted up, so now nice. I just got to sight that in and get ready for you didn't thermal ruin season. It. You didn't ruin it. Speaking of Athlon thermals, guess what I mounted on my night gun last, yesterday? I'm assuming you're Athlon thermal. Nope freaking laser beam a laser huh got, got my laser i got a laser for christmas yeah from my uh, in-laws yeah and it's a it's a laser mounted on the side of the gun so that if you know like we're like where the hell is it yeah where are you talking about that laser uh or you know where am i supposed to walk you can laser it um i got that mounted yesterday oh nice so uh you didn't ruin it athlon optics though yep that's what we both got on our thermals, and uh, that's coming up soon, brother. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Guessing you didn't go sight it in tonight like you were talking No, about. <laughs> no. I don't know if you Just guys Just a little this. bit of snow on the ground. This is Tuesday. It's January 9th, I believe. Yep. Uh, and as you know, if you live in Missouri, there's about six inches of snow on the ground. So. Where we are. Yeah, yeah where we're at. Uh, so check them out. Athlon Optics, Weber Outfitters, WeberOutfitters.com. They're going to be at ATA, uh, and they've got their coyote tournament coming up. Actually, Last it'll be weekend. over by the time you guys hear this. <laughs> hopefully, um, you guys made it. Hopefully, out. you guys made it out, uh, and you know, support a uh, good cause for Weber. Morel Targets, Morel Targets, based out of Arkansas. Um, haven't been shooting much right now, just because we're in it's coyote killing season. Coyote mode. I actually thought about putting my bow up last night. Oh, it's you? still technically in my garage, ready to go. I know. I thought about taking breaking my bow out the other day. So I'm thinking, dude. This so this upcoming weekend. 
Uh, it's going to be, what, the 11th, 12th, or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be one degrees on Sunday. I might go deer hunting just to do it. To just A, to, to test out my hunt worth a little more than mm-hmm. I already have, and I always try to get <laughs> one last, you know, one last bow hunt in yeah, before I the season it. ends. Uh, River's Edge Tree Stands, use our code MISSOURI10 for 10% off, plus free shipping, which is huge on any hang-on or ladder stand. Um, we're going to check out some of their new products at ATA. Lucky Buck, luckybuckmineral.com. Yep. Start getting that stuff out. Oh, yeah. It's a good time to have it out here uh, at the end of the year. Black Ovis, use our code MISSOURI10, MWW10, excuse me, for 10% off. Uh, I was just on there yesterday. What was I looking for? What the hell was I looking for? Don't remember. It was something gun related. I was looking at pants. I need you to, always want pants. I need to get more pants. I've done ruined my pants that, you know, I use every day, and mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of theirs. So They got some cool field pants. Yep. yep. Uh, BlackOvis.com, and last but not least, sister company to them, Camo Fire. Uh, get on that. Download the app. That's what I would do. Yeah. Download the Camo Fire it. app, and then you get those daily deals refreshed every every night at, I think, at 11, or is it 1? I think, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Once a day, you get daily deals. For sure. Get on there. Spend some money that your wife doesn't know you're spending. Dang right. Or husband. Whichever one. So, all right, but let's get That's into it. the show with Greg. Let's do it. This is the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. All right, with us tonight, we got our old friend of the show, Greg Glessinger. Um, Greg, we were just talking about how long it's been since we actually had you on, and we can't believe uh, you made a comment about the studio, and we're like, he hasn't seen this yet. So It's been over two years. Welcome to the new studio. It's good to hear from you, man. It's awesome. Congratulations for you guys on the incredible growth. I mean, the backdrop is awesome. So obviously things are going well for you guys, and that's good to hear. Yeah, uh, before we get into today's topic, um, I actually want to tell her, you know, want you to tell everybody what you've been up to because since we've talked to you last, you've made a, uh, a change in what you're doing, and you've got this new awesome thing that you're doing with some, some guys that, that we know that we think highly of as well. Uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself and tell everybody about this new uh, venture you're on called HuntWorks. Sure. I was with Drew Outdoors. It's hard to say it, but I was with them for 14 years. And, um, you know, I pretty much achieved every award and multiple times. And you get to a point in your career where you just kind of like, you know, been there and done that and the challenges weren't there anymore. And, and it just came to a point that I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to step away and, and really stop, stop filming and just film for myself and my son and, and just have fun with it. And, um, Gave, gave notice. Uh, that would have been spring of, uh, I got to think about this now, spring of 22. Yeah, spring of 22 is March, March of 22. Um, and gave notice and just kind of hung, hung it up and just kind of said, you know, it is what it is. And, and um, the rumors got around pretty quick in the industry and within, I don't know, Within 30 days, I had four or five OEMs reaching out saying, hey, I heard you left. If you want to do your own thing, let us know. Well, three or four turned into about a dozen. Um, And then um, my son said something that kind of woke me up. 
Um, I should probably backtrack. There's a there's a sign between my daughter and son's room that says, be, be so good people can't ignore you. And um, he he reminded me of that and said, if you're ever going to do it on your own, now's the time because if you wait too long, you'll become irrelevant. And he was right. And so um, went to bed that night and woke up and I said, you know what? I'll return some of these calls and see how real they really are. And um, off I went and the dominoes started to fall and um obviously it's it's not all that simple <laughs> no <laughs> there's a lot of trials and tribulations and ups and downs and phone calls and learning because i was obviously in front of the camera and never behind it so i part of the business was all new to me so i didn't know it so i just you know start from ground zero so that was a huge learn curve um and uh we partnered up with uh, matt and adam from land and legacy and of course, uh, Casey, we picked up some other guys since then, mm-hmm. um, Max and, and Spencer and Trace and um, Seth and so on and so forth. But um, those, fo- those three other guys were kind of the nucleus of the whole thing. And when I brought the concept to them, Matt and Adam quickly jumped on and said, yeah, we want to be a part of this. this. Your idea is what we want to do, fits into what we do. You know, how do we make it all work? And so we teamed up very quickly and... Um, Everything came together, and it's hard to believe that we just are almost finishing up season two. So season one aired on the Sportsman's Channel uh, this past fall, third and fourth quarter, and we launched our YouTube series October 1st of 23. And I I can't believe I'm going to tell you this, but we're knocking on – we're at like 9,800 subscribers in in 90 days. Um, So that's growing well beyond our belief – are now our expectations. So um, our season two that we're just finishing up was record-breaking. We knocked down uh, 19 from all over from the West to the Midwest, uh, predominantly with bows, some with guns. Yep. But uh, the team did a phenomenal year. We still got a few weeks left for some of us hunting in Wisconsin, but for the most part, the season's coming to a close. But it's it's been an enjoyable ride. Uh, I've learned a ton um, I don't know if I'd recommend this to too many people to go do this because it's way harder than I think people understand. And that's the part, and I'm guilty. I am, yeah. I'm speaking to myself when I say that. Um, you better have a lot of time, effort, and um, make sure you don't give up because there's just a lot of hurdles yeah. um, to get through. And it takes a lot of time. But we're here. We're already... And we're already talking about season three, which I can't believe the time has gone by this fast. Yep. But um, I've learned a ton, and it's been an uh, incredible learning experience. And I've met a lot of great people because of it. So looking back, um, it was probably a good decision. And I didn't have an, even any interest in doing it at the time. Yeah. Um, it just kind of happened. Kind of happened. Dude, it's – I mean, we obviously knew about it and watched you – you know, and, and we think the world of Greg and, and yourself and um, yourself, Greg, and, uh, you know, obviously rooting for you and you hit the nail on the head like this stuff. Um, you know, some people think, hey, if I start a podcast, it's just one hour a week. It's all I got to do one hour a week. And it couldn't be further from the truth, you know, whether it's a podcast or a YouTube channel, which we're now dipping our toes into putting our podcast on YouTube. And that that adds more editing and more things to do. And it, it's 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 a it's a lot of work you know it's got to be something you really want to do um and 
I think we've we've been able to have our show now for so long. We're almost we're about to uh, uh, celebrate our 200th episode, so that's kind of cool. And you know, you're you're going into season three. And funny, you know, he might not know this, but Adam actually was the very first person I ever talked to. Mm about oh wow the possibility yeah. of making a show so adam came from the network that we're now we're on uh, sportsman's empire network that landon legacy used to be on that and when we were thinking about joining the network and starting our podcast uh the owner of that network dan johnson gave our phone number gave adam my adam's number to me and said call this guy and so i happened to call adam and he talked to me for he might not even remember this conversation it was four or five years ago at this point he talked to me oh, about. He, he would. He would remember. Yeah, he would remember. I think sure. I've spoke to him about it since, but he told me, you know, the the good, the bad, the ugly about starting a podcast back then, and I took what he said to heart. And when him and I originally talked about it, after I got off the phone with him, I knew that we weren't ready to do it yet. Um, I didn't. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know who. Um, who was who was I going to do this this with or what? And that's when I started having conversations with. You know, people like my brother-in-law, Micah, Andy, other folks in our circle about the possibility of starting this thing. And then once I felt like we had our ducks in a row because of the things that Adam talked to me about, that's when we decided to, to you know, kick the door down and, and go. Um, because you don't just want to stick your, stick your toe in because you'll fail. You need to be ready to work. Um, you stick your toe in, you're going to realize it's a lot of hard work and it's more than you thought. And there's other things you have to deal with that you didn't think were parts of doing a, sh whether it's a YouTube show or a show on network TV or uh, just a podcast, there's things that you got to deal with that you don't even think about when you're thinking about uh, starting it. And some of it's not so fun. And uh, if you're not ready to jump in head first, you're, you're probably going to fail at it. And so until we were ready, we didn't start it. And Adam Keith was, one of the the major players in us actually starting this show and uh he might not remember that but he was the first person i talked to and asked questions to about a podcast that's so awesome I'll always he's, always he's think highly human. of adam that's for sure yeah adam he's a Matt. he's a wonderful human so i it wouldn't surprise me that he he helped you out in so many ways that's just the good nature of him he's yep. a good guy so uh anyways the premise of today's show is actually when you kill a 197 inch giant you, you can't know. not talk about it. Yeah, you kind of got to okay. talk about it. <laughs> so this uh, this story is about a 197-inch giant that Greg killed in the great state of Iowa, which we all know is the worst um, whitetail state in the country. Um, it's really hard to kill a uh, big deer in Iowa. It's a bad state. We all know that. Greg made it happen. He did. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but, um, and I joke because it's, you know, Greg is just really good at putting down giants. You know, that's, that's just what he can, he can do. He, he puts effort into these mature whitetail. And we'll talk about how old this deer was in a second. And what I think is really cool about this story, which you can check out on HuntWorks, is it's not just about the hunting season where this story really gets unfolded. Everybody's going to see the hunt. Everybody's going to see the arrow enter and Greg holding the deer. But what Greg is amazing at is what he does on the back end. And what I think a lot of people maybe lack is, you know, that preparation in July, that preparation in March, April, May, 
those those months where you know it's the off season it's really not and so um this the story kind of involves all those things from the actual hunt itself to you know strategy to the preparation of this farm so um let's talk about uh you know this deer obviously 197 inch beast um people can check it out on your guys's instagram and see the pictures and they're gonna be able to see the the video as well um but how did this story start with this particular whitetail you know, um, I should go back and, and go back to some of our ritual habits that we do to help maybe wrap my help the, the viewers understand. Even though, you know, every single year at the end of the year, we rack and stack the cameras, uh, reveal cameras as well as our footage and go, okay, who's the next prospect, mm -hmm. right? And so we're always thinking 12, 12 months ahead, always. And uh ranger was his name came at the top of the list at the end of the year thinking you know there's a good probability that he's he's going to grow up a little bit more and now he's going to be for sure seven if not eight and i'm like okay he's probably going to basically meet his potential we need to put some time and thought into that so it starts yeah. the year before and to, because we want to identify the part of the farm that we want to change modify adjust wh whatever it needs to make sure that we've done everything possible to make sure we put our ducks in a row and, and get everything that we can to our best possible ability to have the biggest advantages. So it starts really that following fall by just making notes and, and keeping track of what deer is where. And then come the off season uh, right now, actually me and Casey were just exchanging texts today for, for this coming spring, which is we've got to go through our deer inventory and which one's going to be our hit list and what what ones we're going to focus on to apply the work to uh, on that part of the farm. So that just happened just this morning. Mm -hmm. And so once we identify that, then we go back and go, okay, what, what was that part of the farm last year? What was it lacking? And in this particular part of the farm, um, it was food. Um, we had a food plot that we thought – needed to be adjusted by roughly 30 to 35% bigger just because of tonnage. The problem with that was it was going to be a real disadvantage by going that much bigger for the tonnage for us to hunt them because it was going to be so big, we lost our bottleneck. And this field prior to our adjustments had a really good bottleneck to it, and it had an hourglass effect. We had, we had green, or gr green on one side, a bottleneck, and then green on the other. Well, that past fall, uh, the grain did not take very well. It was dry and just a whole lot of avenues. It didn't work. So I'm like, okay, yep. this spring we're going to have to do two things. We're going to have to do a different type of grain. So we went with rye and wheat on the far side, and then we went with brassicas and clover in front of the blind. So they had two different foods, food sources to force them through that bottleneck to force transitions. And the problem with making that food plot bigger, it exposed it to the road. I didn't like. Oh, yeah. And so Casey and I came up to the idea that, hey, we're going to put some Egyptian wheat and make a strong barrier. And, oh, by the way, if we make this barrier like we had drawn out on the, on the paperwork was we're going to force them at a 45-degree angle to force them through that bottleneck. And that design is the biggest key to this whole thing. And circumstances, of course. you got to have some luck, too. But we had the tonnage. We had a bunch of deer out there. 
And without that new layout and design that we did that spring and summer, um, oh, and top it all off, our exit entry was was not what I was looking for, happy with on this part of the farm. So we actually went in and cut whoo, probably well over 100 cedars. Oh, gosh, um, man. Um, and, and stacked them for a visual block for us to get in and out visually. So we knew that he was going to be our number one and we wanted to be able to hunt him, whether it's one day or 25 days. And it's, you know, the old saying, it's one thing for a deer to hear you. It's one thing if a deer sees you and smells you. Um, we just didn't want to be seen. If they hear us, they don't know who we are. And we always have the win in our favor. So I'm like, well, they're not going to smell us, but we don't want them to see us. So, and God forbid, hear, sure see, and smell you all at the same time. Yeah, then you're, <laughs> it's you know. horrible. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a disaster. And when he's seven and a half, if not eight, he's not going to put up with that. No. So, um, we spent a lot of time in the exit and entry to prove that. And so we hunted this guy uh, 11, 12 days. Yeah, I think that's what the number is. So this, yeah, eleven or twelve. Um, some of those are only afternoon sits. Some of those are morning and afternoons. So it could be, you know, maybe 20 sits mm-hmm. a total. Um, and we did that. It was on two different parts of the farm, but where we ended up killing them, we hunted them several days in a row and morning and night. And um, the only way we would have done that is by doing all the prep work that we did in the spring and the summer. Yeah. Because of the new design and the exit and entry was as close as the bulletproof as a guy can create, which allowed us to hunt them that many days. Yeah. Um, my old saying is if you can hunt deer without them knowing they're being hunted, which is having a solid uh, entry and exit, then you could hunt as many times as you want, as long as you have the wind, of course. Sure. Um, and, and we proved that point because we hunted him four days in a row, three days in a row. Um, before we got him killed so and and so this is where i think i mean guys like me um i mean you earlier in your career i'm sure anybody that has hunted at any point in their life where a lot of their failure quote unquote would come from is is those springtime summer decisions early last spring is when you made decisions you and casey it sounds like sat down and talked about okay here's what our reveal cameras um, are telling us which by the way uh, obviously a great camera company to go with uh reveal cameras are badass um they are i no longer have to have my little note anymore even I though i still like to do it, it i just you. do it on there but um you know you you took the information that reveal cameras gave you from the last year previous season and said here's what ranger by the way sounds like we're going with baseball still baseball names right yeah we are because okay. they were in the series yep. that's right like it yep. um you took that information, you said, okay, how can we make it possible to kill him over here? And you and you guys had to sit down and, and literally decide what are we going to do here to make our, our possibilities of killing him even remotely there. There's the first, to me, the first victory, I guess you'd call it, against a deer is being willing to um, change something that really might not necessarily be broken. Um it's not like that food plot wasn't successful. I mean, I know some of the the 
food didn't take because of the drought, but it's not like the design was bad. It's not like you had any issues other than it was maybe a little small for what you were trying to get done, but it had a perfect bottleneck. I'm sure there was deer in it every night. sure there was deer in it. Many hunters would leave it alone right there and say, well, how are we going to attack this? But you make a decision to make the bottleneck bigger, figure out a way to shield yourselves from this deer, and then go out and cut 100 cedars out, which, by the way, is good for your environment anyways, and have to, you know, put them in front so that you can, you know, get in and out successfully. How do you work against your natural laziness as a human being? All of us have it. All of us say, what I have now could probably still work. How do you sit down in conversations with Casey or whoever whoever else you're talking with? I'm sure you bounce these ideas off Adam and Matt all the time too and say, is this something I need to, to do? Because it might be better than what is working for me now. What goes into that thought process and those conversations when you guys are making those decisions like you did last spring? Um, I think it comes down to, uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, this is kind of hilarious. I'm not going to throw Casey under the bus, even though I just did, but I'm going to. You know, we put we put so much effort into planning, preparation, and pursuing that we were like day three of chasing this guy and he was, he was lacing up leather boots to go out. We were getting ready. We we're jumping the truck and take off. He's lacing up leather boots. I looked at him. I said, you're going to lace up leather boots. He goes, you got a problem with it? And I go, I do. And I said, all the work effort and all the stuff that we put in, and now you're going to take the risk of putting leather boots on and not rubber boots on because of the chance of them tracking our smell. I said, how was that going to sit when that little element of detail didn't get checked? And that's what got us. He looked at me, took off his shoes, and put on the rubber boots. That's the mental process that you have to have is if you think it's good, that is the dangerous of great. Because most people think if they're good, that's good enough. We try to take it all the way past that. Yeah. Even though it's good, is it great? It was good, but it wasn't great. And I, Casey and I have worked, uh, this is eight years now together, um, that we, we both appreciate each other and we both respect each other's opinions. And he was like, yeah, I, you know, we have to be able to look ourselves in the mirror and say, is there something could have done differently or better? And at that point, I, in the spring, I'm like, it's not good enough. I'm going to have a lot of doubts if we don't kill him. And so we came up with a plan. And when the plan was finally done and executed, I'm like, if we don't kill him, it was never meant to be. But there is nothing else that we can do to make this this good. Yeah. And that's what it took. Now, could, could have the old plot and the old design work? I guess we'll never know. But I wasn't going to allow the chance of that to happen. Yeah. Because, you know, when you have a seven and a half, eight year old plus or minus 200 inch deer, you know, I, I feel like you, you don't have a whole lot of second chances to kill him right you you're might have one one if, yeah yeah how, how if you get one you're going to be lucky how big of a farm was it that you were hunting him on how many acres because you talked to, you talked about two different areas on this farm that you had hunted them on the is that correct they're only they're only as a crow flies they're only about 300 yards apart yeah 250 yards apart mm -hmm. but one is dead middle 
and then one is on the edge. And we went in on the dead middle one because that's where he was uh, first right after. I think we hunted him on the 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th of October, right after the first of opening. And I, I think it was on the 7th or 8th of October, I had the best sit that I could tell you in, I don't know, 25, 30 years of bow hunting. It was unbelievable. We saw, we went in there, we knew we had about six or seven um, mature bucks that we were able to see from a 150 all the way up to, to him. And we saw every single one of them that night except him. It was just the night of all nights. And I'm like, this is not good. I looked at Casey and I said, I think he's gone. Uh, because I said, he's not with his buddy. He's left. Um, why is he not here? And um, doubt starts setting in. And um, he wasn't showing up on camera. And so we, we backed out thinking, well, this may be us. Because that part of the farm, the exit entry is not as good as I would like it to be. So we're kind of pushing our luck there. We had great wind, great access. Um, but um, it wasn't happening like I thought. So we backed out and waited for the reveal cameras to come back in. And he wasn't, he wasn't popping up. Uh, we wasn't, he wasn't showing up anywhere. And I'm like... I just can't see them leaving because you guys know this. As they get old, they don't move as much. Um, their core, their core territory shrinks a lot, and they become very methodical, um, cranky old men. But they're also very cautious. Yeah, yeah, you know. And so um, we saw them on the hoof on the thirtieth of October, which was the first time that we've seen them, and uh, we had just a ton of does a ton of other deer in front of us and he wasn't we had him at i think 52 yards was the closest uh we had him and he was walking away so it had been a, a bad shot anyway because it was just giving us his his backside um and he was just pushing does pushing bucks and all of that but he was always with the same deer that we called mac and there were if you saw one you saw two and then i was like casey you know he's obviously here the does are here he's got to come back so we got to come back on the 31st and um went in the morning and didn't see him and i said well might as well go back and we did and here's here's the whole thing about circumstance is um the night before we had all those deer and does and he was running around with the heads cut off and having a, a good old time when he came out on the 31st it was him and mac and that's it and yeah. so circumstances does play a huge part of somebody's success and being at the right place at the right time for sure. But when he came out, his mind wasn't distracted. He wasn't forced to pick up other bucks. He wasn't forced to pick up other does and, and try to lock one down. And the food plot design that we had laid out worked perfectly. Um, once Mac saw another doe on the other side of our uh, hourglass, he committed and he walked right through the bottleneck. And I looked at Casey and I said, it's over. And he said, why do you say that? And I said, because he's going to follow Mac right through it because he's going to see that doe and he's not going to let Mac have it. And I don't know, 45 seconds to a minute later, here he come walking is, right through. Is Mac another mature deer? He is. He's uh, five, five, if not six. And he's still, and they're still like bachelored up like that, even in almost November or that's yeah, kind of odd. End, end of October. Yeah, that's kind of odd, every ain't time it? we saw them, they we all saw them together, and I don't, I don't know why. I think it's a great, 
great question, Micah. I don't, I don't have an answer to it, but they always seem to be paired together. Yeah. Well, um, they, if you saw one, you saw the two. They say, uh, you know, every deer's got a personality, obviously, right? And we actually had a couple guys on our show a month or so ago where they had two, they killed both of these deer. Uh, they had two mature bucks on a farm, and these two bucks had, it's like their territories were the opposite corners of the farm. And anytime they would mm. come near each other, they'd fight. And, but they, they almost it. never stayed near each other. So their personalities were obviously abrasive as, as a whitetail, right? Just like every well, human it's being funny has. Because it, yeah, and I agree with you. Deer have personalities. I will never argue that with anybody because I've seen it long enough to realize that I'm, you're, you're absolutely right. But Mac was always first. Huh? Always. Yeah. And I think he allowed him to go first to be the, yes. obviously the. The, the scout. Yeah, yeah, the dummy or whatever. Yeah, the dummy. I, I feel like that's so, that's part of an, an eight-year-old deer like like uh, Ranger. I feel like <laughs> he's got a deer like Mac with him for reasons. You know, it's not because they're buddies. It's not because they're best friends. No. They're deer. They don't give mm-hmm. a shit about each other. Um, it's it's I, I think it's survival. Like, I bet something happened at some point in Ranger's life where he – didn't die because another deer helped him out, figured something out, and it was just almost like second nature. I'm going to make sure I've always got something with me, you know, a second set of eyes. And for whatever reason, him and Ranger, you know, or him and Mac teamed up, I guess you'd call it. And yeah. Mac's a mature deer at five years old, but yep. he's still not, you know, the high man on the totem pole. So, yeah, why don't you go first, dude? Why don't you check everything out? You're already smart. You're already a mature deer, so you're going to, you know, not do stupid things. But if you do something stupid, I'm going to let you do it and not me. <laughs> I'm going to let you die. I think that's what happened. Yeah. I think that's what happened. Unfortunately, he didn't realize that Max, Mac actually killed him. Yeah. 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 Yeah, well, that's because why we're the, that's why we're the hunters and they're, you know, they're still prey. We're still smarter in the end than they are <laughs> overall. Well, there is, there, you know, and, and I got to say, you know, there is circumstances. And when, when we're all said and done at that night, sitting around enjoying and taping them out and having all that good, good times that, you know, you do when you kill a 197. But I was like, you know, Casey, we had him at 52 the night before, but the circumstances were completely different. And I think that's the part that, really is an important part you've got to do the prepping and the planning and the preparation and all that stuff yes for sure but just within a 24-hour period the circumstances were completely different from a plot that had tons of bucks and tons of does to they come out it was only them yeah and it was dumb luck timing if they would have come out five minutes later we'd had the same circumstances as the as of october 30th yeah, it's just crazy how that happens. That sometimes. doe might have already been out of the the plot by then, and yeah, <clears throat> I can see yeah. that. Yep, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so how do your? Do, go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask, like, so, I mean, you've all, how long have you had history with this deer? Oh well, we're putting that together now. I'm going to say at least four, if not five years. Four years, five years. So, like, how big of a range do you think he had? Was it fairly small? It got smaller the last two years. Really? Um, is really when when we really started noticing them on that part of the farm. And um, the year before fall of twenty two, I was chasing another part of the farm because we had a, another big one that I wanted that was older, 
Um, we, we, we chase age first and score second because um, for obvious reasons. Um, okay. If they happen to be 178 and they're eight years old, well, I'm going to go chase him versus a six-year-old that's, you know, 190. Um, so we, we let him be, do his thing and get comfortable, and that was really – I think it wasn't my design. It was purely luck because we were chasing another one. And he called that place home, and he didn't leave. We kept cameras on him all year long, and he was around. So I'm like, okay, he's he's created a home spot that he's comfortable. Now let's make sure that we have everything there. I mean, we had the great food. We have water. I call it the triangle effect, which is bedding, water, and food. And he had all three, so we had every rhyme or reason for him not to leave. Mm-hmm. Now it's the only thing that we need to do is not pressurize, you know, his his core area. So we give him a reason to leave. So I'm like, we've got to fix this exit and entry, and make sure that's bulletproof because once we get in the season, I we won't be able to make adjustments. So so you're probably um, not going preparation in. is what really what killed him. Yeah, so you're probably not going into his bedding area at all, are you? No, no. We'll shed hunt it in spring, in March, um, and then once we shed hunt it, we're out. Yeah, yeah. That's I think it. there's a lot to be said to that too. And I, I just love to be there in the spring last last spring, you know, at that table with you and Casey, and just the breakdown going through your brain, like being inside your brain and going, "This is what I think we should do." You know, we could leave well enough alone, but I don't know if this is going to work. You know. I think that's that's one part of my hunting career where I'm I'm still I have a lot of growth to 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 go still is making decisions about the farm itself thinking about the deer and not only just thinking about how am I going to hunt that deer I need to hunt that deer so I need to start worrying about you know getting him this way well or you could do things to the farm you could work on the farm to successfully do what you're hoping to do that's where I think, you know, I've got a lot of growth to, to do and um, just makes me, you know, wish I could like just be inside your brain for five minutes and go, how the hell did he think of these things to do? You know, what, what was going through his brain to say, I don't think what we've got going on is enough. It might be, but I don't think it is to kill him. And I'm, I want to kill him. So we're going to do this. That is where I think a lot of deer don't get killed right there in those March through July dates where you say, I can kill him next year the way we are now. I'm going to leave it alone. And then you don't. So um, that that is probably the most important part, honestly, of this story is what you guys did back in, in the spring. Um, now, that evening, uh, you obviously used your entry uh, point that you had set up and, and got in safely. Um, him and Mac came into the plot. Um, Mac led him right through the, the bottleneck. Take me through, take us through that moment where, you know, you, you told Casey he's dead, which by the way, poor guy needs to get on this show and, and, uh, you know, protect himself every once in a while. We got, we, we should just listen to them two talk on an entire show. I think it'd be funner than hell. Oh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, Casey's good at what he does, man. Yeah. He, he, he um, he he loves whitetails more than anything in in life, and I say that with all due respect. He he truly loves it. I love western hunting. He's he likes it, but he he loves whitetails. He yeah. just can't get enough of it. He lives and breathes it uh, 365 days. So 
you know, we, we are constantly bouncing ideas. Our mental minds, I hate to say it, but it is true. We never turn them off of how to kill shit. It yeah. just, I don't. And he doesn't and I don't. We're always trying to find a, the next way to, to figure something out. Yep. Um, so to, to, to answer your question, um, what, why did we make the decision and what made us make the decision? It, it just comes back to, um, I don't want to leave any, any, any stone unturned. Um, when you start seeing stuff, you know, six, seven, and eight years old, you, if you're going to, you're going to be lucky to get one, one arrow at him or, you know, inside of 40 yards. And if you screw that up, you're probably not going to get a second one until maybe the following year. You might, you might, it Mm -hmm. does happen, but it's not highly probable depending on how bad you bust them. So I'm like, sometimes you get lucky and you might kill them on the first sit. Sometimes it might take you 15, 16, 20 sits to get them. And, you know, um, I'm like, if we have to do this, because I knew he was, he was our number one. And I I was going to basically say, if I don't kill him, that's fine, but I'm not going to give up until the season's out. So if I know we're going to hunt this deer until we kill him, we got to make sure that everything we can possibly do so we can hunt him that many days, we have to do. Yeah. And so that's the biggest motive. Yep. So take us I through. If I, if, I, if I had one suggestion to all your, your listeners and viewers, if you really want to get good at deer hunting, and I don't care about the size, it's irrelevant to me, pick out one deer on your farm and say it's him or bust and you're probably not going to kill him but what you will do is you're going to learn a lot and the following year he's probably in trouble yeah i would i would agree with that no that's a good yeah that's a good way to do it you know because like baraka this year i think that would have yeah. been a lot of barack so we him and i got a new farm this year and okay i hunted congrats yep uh i hunted um the hell out of a certain deer named we nickname him Baraka. I'm still using the Mortal Kombat characters, and uh, Baraka ended up being a, uh, just a shy of 179 inches. I hunted the hell out of that deer. Micah hunted him. Mike ended up killing him. We were to the point where we actually didn't think it was going to happen. We thought our chances were gone. Um, however, I think next year would have been a different story if that deer would have lived outside of you know. Yeah, well, us killing. Them. We had literally what six oh, months of history, with thousands them? of pictures and videos, yeah. but six months of history. Yeah, it's hard to pattern one with just six months. You know, you're just you're literally taking it, it from. Yeah, uh, you know, we we got history from July till the time I killed opening him. No, day. Y- yeah, yeah, you know, so. But I think next year, if if he would have lived and we continue hunting that farm, I think our chances of killing him would go up exponentially. Now, would we, would we have killed him? Who knows? But we would have gathered data on that deer. We would have figured out his patterns in the summertime in the actual hunting season. You know, when do we attack him? When do we leave him be? Um, this year we were, I, I mean, it was just the, you know, we know he likes to be here in the mornings and the, the weather patterns are right. Let's get after him. Didn't work today. He wasn't on that area of the farm. Oh, he happened to be over here okay, I'm going to try it this way now. And, you know, he just was – he kept being one step ahead of us all season until he wasn't, and that's that's why you hunt. But you're taking data – I mean, you're hunting a deer that's eight years old. You knew him for four years. So you, you see his core area. 
start from however big, shrink down, shrink down as he gets even older, and then you and Casey sit there and talk about how are we going to kill him? Well, we could be good, just like you said earlier, right? We could be good and leave this food plot just like it is, or we could be great. Because it was good. Yeah. It, it just wasn't great. Or we could be great, and we're going to do this. And, you know, I like to think that if you didn't make those moves, you wouldn't have killed him. Now, you might have. We'll never know, We'll right? never know. But we'll I like to think know. that you got rewarded for those moves is kind of what, you know, I think there's, you know, there's not like hunting gods, but I think there is reward for hard work. And sometimes I feel like you're like, hey, let's leave it alone. He just slips by you. I mean, look at you know it this way. What was it? Did you? I think you said October third or first or something like that. You were out there, the best setter you've ever had, where you had what five mature deer, five deer mm-hmm. over one fifty. You see in one night, but not him. Well, not yeah. him. But I'm just saying, take away the one deer away from it. That. Who knows if you would have saw those five deer if you didn't put in those in the work to get to where you're at. Yeah. You know? You you might have saw one shooter or one mature buck that night, but you saw five I mean, that's that's amazing right there. True. Oh, Casey looked at me and goes, dude, you should be tagged out. This is stupid. We we, we should be done. <laughs> um but you know, it's 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 one of those things that you will elevate your game of hunting. And I say this with 100% certainty and confidence. If, like I said, I don't care about the about the size of the animal. I'm just saying pick one and just dedicate your season to killing one. And if you don't kill them, you will be rewarded with a crap load of knowledge because you'll be forced to look at things you didn't need to think of or forced to learn what you didn't know was possible. And I've done that a few times in my career, and that's what's put me into this position now where we're consistently harvesting mature whitetails on a consistent basis with a bow it's because i took that to heart which is one year in 2017 we killed uh, my first 200 inch deer and three years before that i'm like i'm killing one deer well it took us almost four years to kill him yeah was that triple play he forced me down that was major league okay well, we, um, have, we have the story of the Triple Play on our show, if you guys yeah. want to go back and listen to it. I remember what episode it is, but that's a great story, too. Yeah. Yeah. But he Major League taught me how to really understand and look things differently. And I did that because I, I was like him or bust, him or bust, or him or bust. And he, he gave me all different avenues of what to look for and what to do and what not to do and all those other things. And so ever since then our success rate has gone through the roof because we're looking at things differently. It's not that I'm better than anybody else. It's just that I'm looking at different cues and different points of the property and, and dissecting things differently. But also, um, you know, you guys had said, um, it's one thing to think. It's one thing to have action. Right. And if you think you should do it, you probably should. long as you're not cutting trees, you know, cedar trees, they, they go fairly rapidly and they're, you know, but if you're going to go cut any type of, you know, trees of any court, you can't glue them on in your lifetime. They're not going to come back. So make sure that if you're going to cut something that you're really making a right decision, um, because that's something you can't revert. Mm-hmm. But food plots, grass, warm season grass, you know, that if you don't like it, you know what? Yeah, it takes time and effort and energy for sure. But it's not a forever change. Trees, that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Um, but 
Adam's favorite saying, he said it last year to me. He goes, Greg, you're not afraid to take a great, a good spot and make it great. And he said, I think that's part of some of the degree of separation. Yeah. And I never heard anybody say that before, but he said it several times now. And it makes sense that what he's saying is if there's stuff that we think could be better, we're going to act on it and we're going to make it better. Yeah. Um, and I think if people do go to action and make their farms better, I think they're going to have better results. Agreed. And if, if you're someone who doesn't have the ability to make changes to a farm that you hunt, you know what, I mean, obviously public ground, you can't do stuff like that, but if you've got a farm that you have access to that you don't have the ability to make changes, you know, cause there are folks out there. I mean, the farm that me and you have, we yeah, might not have the ability sure. to do a lot, but that doesn't mean you can't, make changes based on what is there, you know, what, what you're working with. Uh, you just might not be able to make the changes you really want to have happen. It might have to be a little more strategic as far as the hunting itself goes, but it doesn't mean, um, you know, taking the information, let's say the farm that you just hunted, uh, ranger on, you couldn't touch. It had to be how it was. Nothing you can do about it. Well, then, instead of worrying about what you're going to do from the, you know, the plot perspective and entry and access, you're worrying about everything that Ranger is giving you over the last four or five years, using that to then make my access bulletproof, and how can I get in and out without getting caught? Um, in this case, you took the information he gave you and then said, I'm going to make my access bulletproof by doing this. But, you know, some people might not have that same ability, and that's fine. You just have to do it a different way. The, the key is, in my opinion, and, and Greg, tell me what you think here, the key is sitting down and thinking about those things way before the season ever gets here. It starts now. Yeah. I mean, once your season closes out, now's the time when it's fresh in your head to make notes, pull out your, your reveal camera picks, um, and if you're filming it, pull, pull out some of your footage, and – and go through that stuff. Uh, well, uh, another suggestion I talk about all the time is, you know, there's an app on your phone called Notes. And Casey and I, I use it. it all the time. If we may not harvest something that sit or that afternoon, but I guarantee we're going to harvest information. And we make sure that we make notes on what that is so that when we gather that information at the year, year end to regroup for what we're going to do for the following year, we have it. Because you can't remember it all. No. Um, so, but if you can remember it, make notes while you're in the present, uh, in that location, it sure helps and it triggers your memory. Oh yeah, we need to move this set 20 feet or whatever it may be. Just those little tweaks can change you from, you know, one arrow from being successful to bringing them from, you know, 45 yards to 32 yards. Yeah. So the, the biggest thing is a lot of people are just afraid to make adjustments because they are good. Um, but can they be better? And that's the part that some people just have a hard time doing. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with the notes app. I love the notes app. The reveal app is amazing. And I've been able to, it is. you know, yeah. like I make a, we made a folder for Baraka and then you can actually go and see all the weather for that folder. Um, the historical data for that. But even with that, I still have a notes app and Every time he was ever on camera, but I, but let's let's go back to that. But yeah. let's go back to that because that that reveal app is critical because it, it's pretty I think damn you, important. You guys mentioned on, on the yeah the, the one that you guys just killed the one seventy plus. 
when you guys had the folder, you had the options to go back and look at the weather and the temps and when he was moving at what what part of the farm. Yep. So then you, I assume, started going, okay, we've got a cold front or we've got a weather front, and he's typically moving on these type of pressure days or weather days. You were probably there based on collaborating all this information 100%. and put it in your hand and then utilizing that tool to then maximize the days you're going to hunt. Yeah. Is that fair? Oh, 100% fair. And even, if, I mean, the the Reveal app told us all this. But even if you don't have, you know, cell cams, even if you're just using the $75 basic cameras, that Reveal that reveal app told us very, very clearly. And this is very basic. We didn't even need to go into detail. We, we did, but we didn't need to. Very clearly that if you're going to see this deer on this farm, you are likely to see him in the mornings. Very clear. Well, 80 percent of the pictures we have of that deer were in the AM. So when we when we were making decisions, most of those decisions were based on how are we going to hunt him in a morning time. Like, I mean, I hunted him as much as I possibly could have if I had the right weather, even if it wasn't the PM. But man, he just he preferred to be on that farm in the mornings. So if you don't have an app, but you can do things like that. And then when you get your photos, you can go back and look at historical weather data. There's all kinds of websites where you can find historical weather also. And that's what I did before I had cell cams or cell cameras is I would open that note app. I'd put the date, the time, what wind direction, how fast barometric pressure. Was it rainy, cloudy, sunny? I'd put all that in that note and I would keep it. And I found myself a lot of times when I was hunting, going through that note app, and just kind of like reading everything about that deer. And it's almost like you're reading it for like an aha moment. You're thinking to yourself, is there something in here I'm missing? And you're just scrolling through it. I, uh, I did this for, I mean, both these deer, I had detailed lists on for Baraka. We had a detailed list. Um, every deer we've ever actually, you know, physically wanted to hunt, you know, we, what am I trying to say? You point this deer out and say, I'm going to try to kill this deer this year. We've done that with, um, and even with my reveal app that I love so much. And we, it's, I can't believe the, the cool things they've done continued to do once we even started with the app. Uh, I still have notes because I love sitting there and just kind of scamming it and skimming it and just kind of going through and going, he's here every four days. It just hit me or he, you know, whatever, you know, it's just, you like, I love doing those things where it's just kind of like you, um, you're looking for that hidden gym. Um, so that's another thing I think people, you know, can do that takes a little extra work, but if you're a little, if you're just have a little nerd in you, you'll enjoy it because yeah. it's, um, it's fun to do and, and apps like reveal can, can help you be a nerd. <laughs> that's true. That's well said. Absolutely. So but you look, you guys put something together that you're only going to hunt them or higher, higher probability of hunting them in the morning. Did you kill them in the morning or after? Yep. Morning. Yep. Killed him, what, well, 30, 45 45 minutes after first light? Yep. Yep. See, that's that. That's what's cool about that story is you did your homework, you put the pieces of the puzzle, don't fight it, go with it, yeah, and and hunt him the way he needs to be hunted. Yeah. That's awesome. Congrats. That's cool. And it's, it's the same thing with your deer. Um, you put the puzzle pieces together just like we would put the puzzle pieces together for Baraka. Um, not that this is a story about him, but 
that morning, Micah and I were talking about where are we going to go hunt today? And I had my son with me. So there, there was a, a third option in here where my son was with me in, during this hunt. So we sat in different places. And I had this feeling because of that one picture we got of him. He gave us one photo about three nights before he died. I think it was three nights. I don't think so. I don't think. Four nights? I think it was over a week. He gave us one picture to give us a little bit of hope. And he was in this cove that he was start. It, it, it was like his, his, he started shifting west. And he, he gave us this picture in this certain cove. And the spot itself wasn't an amazing spot uh, for a rifle. Micah, we had our yeah, rifles yeah, during rifle season. It was a season. rifle hunt. And I just, I had a feeling if we're going to see him, he's, he's going to be there. If, I just had this feeling if we're going to see him, he's going to be there and he's going to be working east. And damned if he wasn't right there working east. And I, we only were able to figure that out because of the, the, the pictures we got. Otherwise, it would have just been, you know, throwing a dart at a board and hoping you shoot a deer, which can work for a lot of people. But, you know, it's a lot harder to, to kill deer like that when you're just hoping. So um, the night that you killed Ranger was a culmination of the hard work and the strategy that you, you put into it. Because you could have sat anywhere in the farm that night right oh yeah for sure yeah we could have went anywhere but uh you know we were after that one particular deer and we knew that he was in the area and um we saw him the day before and so once i saw him the day before you know there's no way you're going to pull me out of that set right on the 31st there's no way yep you know so so when he came through that pinch point and um, you said to casey he's dead take me through the feelings you know i mean you you took that drawback. How far was the shot? Um, you know, what was the aftermath? How did it go? Um, you know, the, he was 31 yards. Um, and when you kill him with a bow, you know, there's so many things that can go wrong. And you just got to slow down the game um, the best you can and just um, let it play out. You know, he walked in front of us purely broadside. And I wasn't about to draw because he was so close. He was at, I don't know, plus or minus 30. And as he goes through the bottleneck, it's going to put him broadside, if not quartering away. Um, and he's he's basically biased at that point. So as much as you want to draw and, and get it done as fast as you can, sometimes we, we can be a worst enemy. And mm-hmm. patience is the hardest thing sometimes as a bow hunter, but it's the best thing to do. And so I just had to wait for the right moment and get him into that bottleneck and then grunted him to stop. Obviously, as a, I was at full draw when I did so and settle the pen and, and just make sure you're comfortable with what you're doing and let the arrow fly. And the, we shot him with the Rec XP and he went maybe 25 yards from impact 30 yards from impact and died right in front of us right in the plot it's um, always an, a nice feeling and <laughs> whenever you see him drop that's yes. always nice oh oh it's yeah you guys know that when you see him they get out and they, and they run away and they're gone you didn't see him fall and you start doubting yourself how good the shot was and all those things so it's so nice it's so much more enjoyable when you see him go down because stress level goes up when you don't yep um but yeah so it was it, it's a culmination of, of excitement and a kind of a surreal moment. I think I was pretty quiet just because I, I didn't – I was surprised that it actually happened because 
we had chased him for so long and there's just been so unfortunate circumstances that I couldn't believe he came out with just him and Mac and he, you know, it was like somebody's looking out for us. Yeah. It's just awkward. It just is not normal. Yeah. So you, so, gr- so you grunted but it. inconsistent. So you, yeah, so I, you I made, you made him stop. Cause I know from our last episode or maybe the one before that, yeah. you were always opposed. And well, you, not you always. Got, well, you got a, you got a lot of crap because, uh, mm-hmm. the, I, I believe it was probably the last 200 inch one you killed. Yep. You didn't stop him. Still made an excellent shot on him, you know? Uh, so have you had a change of heart or do you just do it circumstance by circumstance? No. Circumstance, but you got to realize triple play is the one you're referring to. He was inside of 20 yards. Yep. Um, I think he was like 17 or 18, if my memory goes. He wasn't 20. And he this one was at 31. And I made it very soft. I mean, yeah, enough that I think he questioned himself if he heard it. You can see his, his demeanor. He stops. You can see his demeanor. But you can see how he's like, hmm, did I really hear that? Did I hear something? Yeah. Um, so I made yeah, so I made sure it was loud enough but soft enough that I wasn't gonna be threatening. And so I had no choice because if I didn't, he was gonna walk right through it. And I, I it was too far for me, uh, in my opinion, at thirty one by the time I would have shot him if I would have been thirty five to thirty six. I wasn't going to shoot a walking deer at thirty five or thirty six yards. Yeah. So I, he was he forced me to do that and um he perked his ears up and looked just enough to settle and i didn't waste any time because my i was already at full draw so yeah um just let the wreck eat and the psc do what it does and you know rest is history was, uh happy trails <laughs> ranger oh, yeah. ranger lost the world series <laughs> uh <I like> that. <laughs> um I, one other question i had about ranger um so he was probably about eight years old we think was this his biggest year, or did he Seven drop? for sure, if not eight. Okay, so was it his nope, biggest year? It was his biggest, yeah. Nice. Yep, you always wonder, was. you know, when yep. is that When is that downhill slide, you know? <laughs> when is it? <laughs> I think every deer is different. Yeah. I think it's no different than 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 people. I mean, I after doing as long as I have, you know, I always thought four to five was the biggest jump. I don't believe that anymore. I agree. I think it's um, – I think it's five to six and six to seven, I think, are the biggest jumps. Um, and that, that dictates based on the deer. Yeah. So we really try to focus on six and older. Um, or really, or if, I, if you said, what's my preference, I would say seven and eight. I know how stupid that sounds, and I know how foolish that sounds, and I don't disagree with that statement. But – uh, we've seen some tremendous jumps in that period of time. Uh, so, do you think you lose? It's hard to say. Do you think you lose more deer, whether it be to somebody else shooting them or car wreck, whatever the case may be? Do you think you lose them more in that time frame? I think you do. Because yeah. there's, there's another one that is probably seven. Um, that we called cleanup, and he was just a little bit smaller. I'm gonna say he's in the high 80s, maybe. Um, and he was on the farm pretty regularly, and then he flat out disappeared, and we haven't seen him since. So did he get killed? 
did he just move on? Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see if he comes back next year or if he even is, is alive. But you're right. Once you start breaking, you know, that five, six years old, you are rolling the dice that one is the odds start going against you heavily. And, but you can't shoot a one. If you want to shoot a 170, you can't shoot a 60s. Right. Every so, year. Yeah. I, I, I've heard you, that saying yeah, so you, many times, you know, if you want to shoot a 180, you got to stop shooting but, all the 160s. <laughs> well, it's true. It's yeah. true. But it's a very hard thing to do. And I, I, I understand it. I get it. Um, but but I'm, I'm just at that point um, where I just really enjoy chasing older, mature deer. And that's what really, I don't know, that's what I like to do, I guess. Yeah. No, it, I mean, every, like we no, talked I mean, about this on our show before. Yeah, like everybody is in your a, own. Exactly. And everybody's in a different um, time frame, time frame of their hunting careers, you know? Um, it's it's the evolution of being a hunter. Exactly. Right? It's the evolution of being a hunter. Yeah. Like, and if and I had I wouldn't a, have said this 20 years ago, 100%. You know, I would have said this 20 years ago. Yeah. But now, for doing it for so long, and I've learned so much that, um, we know we set our sides on usually one, if not two deer going into the fall going, okay, these are our top two, or this is the one, depending on, you know, how much we know about them and their ages and, yeah. and all those type of things. And that's what we want to do. Ever, so and everybody's it, got a different, it has worked for us experience. And, and like I said, we're, we're kind of in that same boat where we like to hunt more mature whitetail for Missouri. Um, and, and typically that that's going to be hopefully a five-year-old deer older, um, but you know, if a four-year-old, 175-inch deer walked out in front of me, I'm I'm not in that spot in my career where I'd probably not shoot that deer. I'd I'd shoot him. Um, but then you got other people who maybe are hunting, you know, in a different part of the the country that um, have a different set of deer, have a different set of circumstances. Doesn't mean you can't still hunt mature deer. A mature deer is a mature deer is a mature 100%. deer. Right. So a mature, right. a mature 120 yep. inch in Southern Arkansas might be just as difficult to kill as a mature, um, you know, 197 inch in Iowa. They're just, they have different resources. So they, they grow differently. Right. Um, but the part about hunting mature deer is the, is the most important part. Right. So if Greg was in Iowa and, you know, I think people get the, you know, Greg's killed a lot of big deer in his, his career now. But if Greg was in Iowa and Iowa deer all of a sudden went from 200 plus inches at maturity to 120 to 130, he's still going to be hunting seven to eight year old 120 inch deer at that point then, you know, it's just, that's what's mature. So, um, luckily though, in Iowa, they get big in Missouri, they can get big in different States. They, they get large, uh, which is always a, the nice topping yeah. on the cake, um, to hunting a mature whitetail is these beautiful racks that they can they can grow. Um, but what the most important part of this story is, is that you were hunting a seven to eight year old deer, um, and successfully made it happen. That's, that's the most important part to me. And the fact that you were willing to put, uh, work in on the front end, I guess you'd call it that had a direct link to him dying the very next, you know, year. Um, so that's why I thought this story was so good and want to, we wanted to have, uh, Greg tell us, um, especially since it's been a, a lot longer than we thought it had been yeah. having on our show. <laughs> um, so before we uh, hit the stop button, Greg, why don't you tell everybody how they can uh, check out HuntWorks and your guys' stuff that you're doing? 
Absolutely. Uh, well, we're just finishing up the third and fourth quarter on the Sportsman's Channel, so we'll be airing again um, third and fourth quarter of 24 for our season two on the Sportsman's Channel. And that's uh, two, our prime spot is Tuesday night at 6.30 p.m. Um, on the Sportsman. And then we did launch our own YouTube series, uh, Huntworks, as well on YouTube uh, that was launched October 1st. So there's plenty there to go after and look um and we got uh, a lot more new stuff coming on we've got a new series that i can't quite tell you about but we're already filming for it and talking about it and planning for it so it's we're going to try to peel back the onion the best that we can to take all of our years of experience which between matt and i matt adam myself and casey we've got over 75 years of experience in the woods around whitetails through habitat improvements um, to uh, whitetail strategies, to food plot design, just about anything related to the whitetail space. And we're going to peel that back and basically try to educate or show what's working for us. Not saying it may work for you, but at least make you think about what you're doing on the success that we're having and why we're having it and how we're doing it. So um, you're going to see a lot more stuff on our YouTube channel Hope, uh, our goal is to never miss a week, uh, 52 weeks a year, and and release something that has relevancy to the whitetail space of basically raising your game as a hunter and a land steward to improve your opportunities in the whitetail habitat space. So um, we're real excited about that, and that's going to be on uh, YouTube exclusive. Awesome. That's awesome. Great. And then well, also Instagram. We can go to Huntworks on our Instagram page and Facebook as well. Um, so any of that stuff, you can uh, find us on any of those social media channels. That's awesome. Well, uh, Greg, you know, uh, we really appreciate the time tonight. Uh, you know, you're a, a friend of our show and a great steward of the whitetail community. And uh, you also kill big-ass deer, so it's fun to hear these stories <laughs> And uh, appreciate your time tonight, man, and uh, hope to see you. We're recording this a couple days before ATA, so uh, hope to see you in a few days, buddy. We'll talk to you later. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right, we'll see you. See you.